0: Welcome to Gamers on the Go. This is uh, the third episode, and on today's show we're talking about Luminous and Meteos, two games by uh, game development company Q Entertainment. My guest today is AJ Hurst. Say hello, AJ.
1: Hello. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well. How are you, sir?
1: Oh, you know, getting by.
0: <laughs> well, AJ AJ is my co-host on the uh, on the World 8 podcast that we do together. And, um, oh man,
1: I upgraded a co-host. Nobody told me.
0: Oh, of course you're a co-host. <laughs> um, so I brought him here to talk about talk about these two portable puzzlers uh, because we both find them pretty fascinating, don't we, AJ?
1: We certainly do.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Chase. <laughs> well let let's get in let's get right into it and talk about let's let's talk about Luminous first. It it did come out a little earlier. Than Medios did. So AJ, since you are uh, the Luminous Master compared to me, why don't don't you uh, lead the conversation on this?
1: That's funny. You actually, before we started recording, you told me about a Luminous game that I didn't even know existed. (laughs) So I fail in being the Luminous Master on on that on that point.
0: Well, you certainly (laughs) had at least more experience than I have in the series.
1: Yeah, that's true. I guess we should start with just how, or the last game from the creator of Luminous, which is uh, Tetsuya Mizuguchi, which I know if you listen to the other podcasts me and Chase do, you know Brian is uh, a huge fan of that guy's work in some of his more recent projects. Certainly. Um, The last game he made before Luminous was Res, and that came out about four years ago. Uh, Res for the PS2, kind of a... It's really hard to describe, but basically this sort of, it's a it's an on-rails shooter, but it was unique in how you would create music along the way. Or like you were basically like mixing your own music by all the actions you would take, by shooting enemies, by, by moving around. And it was supposed to be this sort of, I don't know, like a...
0: Well, it was a it was a rhythm rail shooter, and and you were taking place inside of this digital world, that that was I guess a computer, or the internet to some extent. Sort of,
1: yeah. I mean, the guy, the character you controlled, basically just looked like this really rudimentary looking polygon man that was navigating his way through some weird computer world. But uh, it was just very cool in terms of its uh, sound design and visual aesthetics. They were very unique and a lot of people praise it for being ahead of its time as far as uh you know art, its direction with art and such so that was 4 years before luminous and mizuguchi kind of i don't know what did he do sit around with his hands on his under his butt for 4 years well I'm he was sure.
0: well <laughs> when he made rez he was still working at at sega and right. and he was working there and then he broke off and started q entertainment with some other people and uh well i mean he made some other games while he was at sega space channel 5 was another big one uh, right. that that combined music with gameplay and that's really that's really what you're going to find with a lot of mizuguchi's works is that he's really interested in the way music can connect connect people to these games uh, but he started off, he started his own company uh, q entertainment with some other people and that's that's where we come to get luminous and Meteos. luminous was actually the first game out of q entertainment
1: right uh, and i Supposedly, that company was not built with a whole lot of people yet. It was a very small company. um, A core development team of about four to five people just working on Luminous. And it was a PlayStation Portable launch title. So this was kind of a big deal. Like, you know, you're a launch title for a new console. Good time to get your game out there and get a lot of eyes on it. And uh, the, the PlayStation Portable, in a lot of people's eyes before anyone even got their hands on it was perceived as just this high-end really slick device. So they were looking for games that could really emphasize that make you feel like, make you feel real good for owning this really slick piece of tech. Um, and it's kind of weird to think of luminous in that way because it's just a 2d puzzle game. but the combination of in much the same way res was this, got by on its combination of visuals and sound, Lumine- that was the strength of Luminous. You know, The very basic core puzzle gameplay was is very, very, very simple. But the strength of that game, I feel, is in uh, visuals and audio. And I think that made a lot of early PSP owners feel very good about their purchases. It was kind of like the sleeper hit of the PSP launch. Um, when it came over to America, it launched in March of 2005. Um, early reviews pegged it as the best PSP launch title. It had the highest uh, average Metacritic rating of any of those games with uh, 89. Um, I know a lot of people, as you listen to or you heard opinions about the PSP going on from that point forward, a lot of people refer to their PSPs as their Luminous machine, and you know, people would say, oh, I've I've still got Luminous. That disc is still the one spinning in my PSP right now. Which is kind of also a, a jab at the lack of other compelling software for the for the machine at the time.
0: But yeah, I, th- I think some people would probably still say Luminous is the best game that came out for PSP.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if that's the game in a lot of people's systems still right now. You know, how many years later? Seven. Yep. And sequels for the for the same console came out later, but that's still the one. Um, when uh, Mizuguchi was thinking about what he should do for the PSP, he was, uh, you know, Rez was still on his mind, basically. He liked that combination of uh, affecting music and manipulating sounds as you play a game. So it was just, it was a pretty simple inspiration that combined with wanting to do something cool-looking for the PSP. Um, But... Mizuguchi isn't necessarily known as a puzzle game designer or he wasn't before that. so it's kind of weird to see what he would come up with for a puzzle game. And it's extremely simple like I, I could spend I could summarize how you play luminous in about 10 seconds. but uh,
0: I've got 10 to. seconds.
1: <laughs> we gotta stretch this thing out to an hour or something <laughs> right but uh, I mean all there is to it is these blocks fall down from the top of the screen. They are either one of two colors and the blocks are segmented out into four mini-squares. And the music aspect comes in by this, this line that is uh, swiping across the screen at every uh, like every eight-eighths of, a, of the song, like every beat. So that's pretty much all there is to it as far as uh, music and rhythm affecting gameplay is just how often this line wipes across the screen. And every time uh, a combination of four mini-blocks of the same color are put together, then that combination will disappear when the the line sweeps across it. So, it wasn't quite like Rez in terms of how you were making music with gameplay. It was more just like, you didn't need to do things in a rhythm to be successful. It just, like... When you did stuff, it made sounds. That's really all there is to it. When you move a block, it makes a cool sound effect. When you drop a block, it makes a cool sound effects, And it makes cool sound effects that make sense in the context of the background music. So it was kind of like you were doing a really crappy remix of a song, basically.
0: <laughs> um. Well, I, I only had a limited time with it. I, I haven't played a Luminous game properly. Uh, I did play... Uh, preparing for this podcast, I went and downloaded the free version of Luminous Touch um, Fusion for, for the iPod Touch or iPhone, I- and uh, and just played a little bit of that. And And I, I do get your point that you don't have to do things in rhythm, that you have this thing that's coming by every every beat, and it's, it's collecting your points that way. But you are able to kind of sneak in a rhythm there. You're able to kind of get into a groove once you start... Getting into the game, and and you're able to kind of have this, this point where it, it's almost zen like, where you're able to just put these combinations of blocks together, knowing that you're getting in this rhythm and, and beat.
1: Right, I, I can see that, especially in the uh, when you first start out or run a run of challenge mode, and the blocks basically almost move at no speed at all. You have a lot of freedom with how you time, you know, dropping the blocks and making your sounds. So you can really kind of zone out that way. Uh, I would say about 20 minutes into a single game of Luminous, though, it's when you really need to start concentrating and making sure you don't screw up. Uh, basically, all that happens is after a certain score is reached on a... Okay, sorry, I should back up. The game is uh, segmented out into different skins. Think of sk- The skins are basically songs or themes. There would would be different music playing in the background. The colors would turn, uh, or the blocks would turn different colors, might have a different texture on them or something. And the music pretty much runs the gamut of any genre you can think of. It's really kind of uh, impressive how they managed to pull that off. You just go from this, you start with this really calming, soothing uh, acoustic guitar song called "Shining," which I think a lot of people will remember as soon as they hear it. beat techno to jazz to reggae country music it's all over the place um which is really interesting but basically once you reach a certain score on a skin then it transitions uh somewhat smoothly to the next skin it kind of fades out the audio from the first song and then slowly fades in the next one and as you progress through skins the you have less time to think about where your blocks are going to be placed. So it's more of just a how long can you last and finding challenge uh, or uh, getting a high score that way. And that, for a lot of people, was enough because it was not very easy to make it to the last skin. And once you made it to the last skin, it would just loop back again, back to the first one, shining. But the blocks would still drop really fast. So it was kind of infinite, infinitely playable in that in that aspect.
0: So that's challenge mode, and you said that's the main mode, but I also see that uh, there's this there's a two-player mode. How, how exactly does multiplayer work in that, where it doesn't seem like it's a game where they can just drop more blocks on you, like something like a Puzzle Fighter or, right. or even Meteos when we get later into that?
1: Yeah, I think I'll, the typical versus mode for a puzzle game is something that involves giving your opponent garbage blocks to deal with, or something like that. Luminous is more of just this fight for uh, space to work with. It's fight for control of the playing area. You start out with the same amount of space you have in single player mode, but it's cut in half. It's between the two players. And all, and all that would determine which player gets more space and which player gets less is who eliminated more blocks with each swipe of the of the line. It's not necessarily like... If I eliminated 10 blocks and the, only, the other guy only eliminated one, then I would get like 10 more columns of the screen to work with. No, I would, you'd only get one. It's just who won that round, basically. So there's a lot of back and forth. But it's also very heavily momentum-based. So once you get that first advantage, it's very hard. Or once you get disadvantaged early on, it's very hard to come back. Because the other guy gets a lot more opportunities to eliminate more blocks. And that's just how it goes. It wasn't, you know, it's not this super well-balanced, well-thought-out versus mode. But it was fun for what it was and making your friends very angry.
0: And it's definitely a different take on a way to do a multiplayer for a puzzle game.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, There was also an interesting mode that I didn't remember until I played it yesterday called Puzzle Mode which is kind of funny cuz it's puzzled
0: me <laughs>
1: but, but uh, it was kind of a uh, you were tasked with like 30 making shapes out of the blocks or not necessarily shapes but the blocks can only be one or two colors so the ta- the challenges were make a shape using this one color or make a shape of the same color uh, by using by stacking the blocks in a particular way to make like it look like, oh, it's a picture of an arrow pointing to the left or the infinity symbol. So you had to think about how can I stack these blocks up and not have the other the same color like touching the shape that I'm trying to build, because then it won't count. And you also have to think be careful about instead of just dropping blocks and eliminating them, you need to consider using them as the foundation for building something higher uh you know and you you would have a time limit to see how fast you could get uh get that shape up but that was just a nice little side diversion
0: sure and the game is played at the same speed in puzzle mode
1: uh i believe all puzzles go at the same speed yes and it's also the same skin for all of them so playing those like a bunch in a row can get kind of boring after a while
0: Alright, well let's let's talk about the the legacy of Lumines. They because it was one of the bigger games that came out for the PSP, it wasn't the last one they made. They they kind of right. kept going on that track. So so what other games do we have for in the Lumines franchise?
1: Uh right after the most immediately following one was Lumines Live for Xbox Live Arcade, which is not a portable game, so I'll try not to talk about it too much on this podcast, but there were a couple of reused skins from Luminous on the PSP, plus a, plus a couple of new ones. Although there were less of them overall, I think there were about 40 or 45 total skins in the PSP game. Luminous Live came with about 20. So it was very pretty easy to rotate all the way back to the first skin. But uh, it was also the most expensive Xbox Live arcade game to date when it came out, and also had uh, paid DLC on top of it. So I remember, I remember it being really controversial in that regard. Um, in that same year, pretty much a month or two after, they released a sequel on PSP, Luminous 2, which I haven't played. But uh, from what I understand, there was a lot more emphasis on music videos, like the, video, like the visuals behind the blocks you were dropping, and they would get licensed music from like Madonna and Beyonce and stuff. Which, hey, no thank you.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> for me. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say cash in, but it's, it's definitely an easier way to do it, where it's just, let's show some music videos and then have a small game that you can play in front of it. Right.
1: Uh, Luminous Supernova came out on PlayStation Network in 2009, and it was basically the exact same thing as Luminous Live, but without online multiplayer. Which kind of sucked. So, and uh, most recently, Luminous Electronic Symphony for the Vita. Uh, and hey, that's a portable game, we can talk about that. <laughs> but uh, I have not played it, and I don't know many people who have either. But uh, from what I understand, it's the standard Luminous gameplay, but you can. There's some kind of leveling up mechanic. You gain experience points to unlock skins, I think. And the blocks themselves are 3D objects. It's still a 2D puzzle game, but they just made the blocks 3D so they could do more cool visual stuff with them.
0: Right. Now, at this point, Miz- Mizuguchi himself isn't working as closely with the development team anymore. I think he's kind of passed no. those reins off. Uh, Electronic
1: Symphony was, is Q Entertainment.
0: Right. It, it's, still, it's still the same development company, but Mizuguchi doesn't have as much to do with the series anymore. Right. I, he, I know he's passed off at least some of the reins to uh, to James Milky, who some people would know uh, from from his days at One Up and EGM, and he's he's actually been working hard with with a lot of people to get uh, get new music into it. And right, the uh, this this new Luminous game is is a lot more heavy on the electronic and and uh, and techno music, and that's just and a lot of that is because. Uh, James Milky is going out there and talking to people and, and trying to get his some of his favorite tracks that that he's known and and his kind of vibe. He's also has done some DJing in the past, so that's something that he has a passion for. So we're seeing right. a lot more of that electronic music coming into this new Lumines, which I think is is probably a good fit for the series. It's a good fit for puzzle games to have that kind of music.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to check it out if I ever get my hands on a on a Vita. Um, it was hard to, like, remember exactly which songs, like, stuck in your head when you played Luminous, because they go by so fast, but there were a couple that I remember fondly. I mean, the first one, obviously, is Shining because anytime time you start a mode of challenge, or start a run of challenge mode, that's always the first song, so you always get to hear it.
0: Um... It's kind of like I that. Remember. It's kind of like that Super Mario Brothers style, where you're always going to play World One One first, so that's right. the song that sticks in everybody's heads.
1: Everyone knows there's going to be that first Goomba you got to get over, and the mushrooms in the middle block, and all that stuff. Um, some of the skins were I found interesting because they were, looked like they were designed to be really hard, not just in uh, the tempo, like how fast the screen would wipe. But uh, also just like the music was really kind of, it was like almost like assaulting you instead of being this calm, cool sounding music that you could zone out to. Some of it was just like someone plugged a, a bass in, directly into a sound recorder or something and made it sound really shitty. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Mega Row was one of those things I remember being like, uh, all the blocks are gra- are green and brown and Music is really loud and annoying. It was almost just like it was like a to me, it was like a boss fight for your first early challenge. I think it was about 10 or 15 skins in before you found that one. If you made it over that, then, like, the next one after that would be this really slow reggae song. It was like, oh, I made it. Now I get to relax a little bit. (laughs) So, uh, those are two of my favorites.
0: Cool. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, if I ever got my hands on a Vita, Luminous Electric Symphony is definitely something that I'd be interested in playing. Do you think uh, it's probably a good time to transition over to Meteos? That sounds like a good time. All right, well, Meteos... Was released in 2005 for the DS. It wasn't it wasn't a launch game for it, but it came very early in the in the DS's lifecycle. It was actually the first game I got with my DS, and uh, it was the first one I played, and it was a good one. Uh, with with these kind of puzzle games, to have something, well, I mean, with a with a new system like that, it's nice to have something that you can replay pretty right. infinitely, and and Meteos fits that bill really well. Uh, the point with Meteos. Tetsuya Mizuguchi, again, uh, from Q Entertainment, was, was thinking... He was inspired by the TV show 24 in the way that uh, that show was able to split the screen and show you multiple scenes at one time. And I guess he kind of had this idea, and then Nintendo released the DS, and he kind of put two and two together. And and that's kind of where the idea for Medios arose. Uh, there was also the idea, uh, he liked, he liked the beginning of the Matrix movies, where you see that, all that code dripping, dripping down the screen. And, I mean, that just, that just feels like a puzzle thing, so I don't know how he, how he really tried to say that was part of his inspiration, because... <laughs> I bet, I think
1: he was reaching on some of those. May,
0: maybe a little bit, uh, but I'm thinking, yeah, just things dropping from the sky, that sounds like most puzzle games. Um... But what's cool about Medios and something that I actually didn't know inst- until I started researching for this episode, Mizuguchi actually had the help of uh, Mashiri, uh, Masahiro Sakurai, who people would know from his work on the Kirby series and especially from the Super Smash Brothers series, and oh, most yeah. recently Kid Icarus Uprising.
1: Big fan of his stuff.
0: Absolutely, and he was working at this point. He wasn't. He had he'd left HAL uh, HAL Laboratories where they made Kirby. And he was kind of just doing this consulting freelance thing where he just he was happy he just kind of being this wondering uh, developer guy. And he teamed up with Mizuguchi for Meteos, and they had this idea that, that they discussed the idea of the 24 and the, and the Matrix stuff. And they really enjoyed the idea of Tetris, but they wanted something a little, a little faster. And they liked the idea of multiple blocks falling at one time. So while Mizuguchi was consulting Sakurai, Sakurai gave him this idea of launching those blocks back up into the sky, and that's really where Meteos comes from. That that's a pretty decent way of summing up the entire game: that there are these blocks falling, and that you're lining them up. It's it's pretty much a match-three game, but when you match when you match three, little rockets show up on the bottoms of your of those blocks, and they will start lifting lifting those blocks back up into the air. And those blocks that are now being lifted will also catch anything that's coming down, and you're just trying to shoot as many blocks as you can back up into the air because that's the, that's the play field where you're then sending it off to a fictional other player or a real other player when you're playing multiplayer to be able to uh, screw them in some way.
1: It was, yeah, it was kind of like flipping uh, puzzle game conventions on its head there because you were actually trying to reach the top of the screen. You were trying to send it so far to the top of the screen that it would fly off. So I, a lot of people's instincts, I think, are to make sure there's as less stuff on the screen as possible.
0: And and I mean, there's still an element of that because you don't want too many blocks to pile up. But when you're when you're able to shoot them off with with your rockets, then you don't mind however high they're going because then that's going to be the extra extra right. blocks that you get out there. But you still kind of have to manage well, how many blocks can I wait to, to be down here before I start shooting, shooting things off? Uh, another one of the big elements of gameplay is gravity, and that's where a lot of these rockets uh, come, a lot of the ideas of the rockets come from, is that you're on these different planets that you're playing on, and we'll get into a little bit of the story of Meteos in a second, but when you're on these different planets, all of them have slightly different ways that they work, ways that gravity affects the different blocks. And when you're, when you're shooting them back up, like there's a, there's a moon type planet. So the gravity is lessened. So you'll, you're able to kind of, things move a little slower and you're able to kind of line up some shots a little better. So you can get these bigger combos going on to shoot more stuff off into the sky. Uh, While there's other planets that have rock solid gravity that don't, that barely let off anything at all. There are even some planets that, you have to get a combo to even shoot up anything to begin with. That one, that lining up a match three doesn't do anything. But when you match up a second match three, it will double that rocket power and shoot it up instantly. Right. And, and just the way that you can play there are many different types of ways to play meteos, depending on the different planets that you're, that you're playing on the different levels or play fields that you're going on. So getting back to the story of meteos, they they're taking this idea of of the rockets and of the gravity and they kind of built a story around that. The idea is that there's this big thing. Uh, it's, it's kind of a planet of its own. It's called Medio. Oh, a thing. Yeah, it, it's it's tough to explain. It's some being, some element of of the space. I don't know, but it's called Medio, and it's the thing that's sending all these blocks down to these planets and the idea is that the more blocks get sent down on this planet that the planet will eventually just implode in on itself from from all the extra gravity from all the extra weight of all these blocks it's a little far-fetched but it's kind of an interesting idea so the idea is that these planets are now fighting back by sending the blocks back up into space back to meteo to attack him and that's that's really where that's really the beginning and the end of the story. It is a puzzle game, so you, right. you shouldn't expect too much of a story out of it. But when you're playing, it's probably
1: more thought than anyone's put into a story for a puzzle game to
0: that point. Absolutely, but uh, you just go to the different planets and are fighting on the behalfs of the of the different creatures that are on that planet. So, for example, when when people think Medios and see Meteos, the the first thing you'll see the the thing that's shown in a lot of the promotional marketing things are uh, are these little blue stick figures with little horns on their heads and and they come from the first planet that you that you're on which is geolite which is basically the earth equivalent to in, in the Meteos universe that the gravity's basically the same or or roughly what you would think it would be on earth and then you go to these different planets and I'm not gonna name them all cause they're they're just a ton of them, and they're all really silly, but um you can you can play the game oh, come
1: on name a couple oh
0: okay well uh i'll tell you I'll tell you some of my favorites here. I really like uh granist, which uh features these kind of uh u f o looking creatures with little red eyes. That one plays a lot like a lot like the moon um, uh just going through here. I also really like Bavoom. Bavoom (laughs) Bavoom is a very windy planet, it says, uh, and that... I'll just read off the flavor text of it. Fierce winds cut through the dense atmosphere of this barren planet... The Bavumians live on the wind currents and uh and Bavumians really just look like these little ghost things with these two little pigtails on them they're they 're all really they 're all really simply designed and they 're all pretty cute uh, but the idea is that you 're just trying to help these folks get them get all this junk off their planet and fight back to medio you 're actually creating uh oh man now i 'm going to forget what it 's called, but um you're you're trying to create this big spaceship that will actually be able to send all of these, all the blocks that you're sending back to Meteo. Um, it's, it's something pretty easy. It's like the Meteos engine or something like that. I, I wish I could remember. But um, but the idea, uh, but that's the basic idea. So everything you're sending in these games Uh, also goes to a total that you have it it keeps pretty decent statistics in this uh you can tell that sakurai worked on a lot of these things just by by some of the things that were added into it it has these deep statistics it has the the kind of smash brothers menu layout where everything's in these everything's kind of in these individual circle things that you can go to um, and you're able to unlock a lot of different content similar to the way you're able to unlock characters or, or music and things in Smash Brothers. Um, and that's, that's part of the appeal, is getting the new planets or getting the new songs um, or getting, getting some background things for it. But uh, it's it, it, um, similar to Luminous, it's a game that definitely tries to take advantage of the hardware it's on. When Mizuguchi was making this game, he really wanted to use those two screens. He wanted the idea of the touchscreen. You can play this with with buttons and D-pad, but it is much preferable to play it with a with a stylus. Right. And uh, and one of the weird things about Medios that they actually changed in future games is that you're actually only able to move the blocks vertically. You're you're not able to actually move them in rows, but only columns. And and that changes the way. It kind of, it limits, it limits uh, what you're able to do, but at the same time it also kind of keeps you, keeps the game from being too easy. They did make another Meteos, uh for, they made another Medios for the DS that was actually styled with Disney. I, I think this is the point where kind of Q Entertainment, maybe you can call this one a cash in. Uh, like, like Luminous 2, it's just, it was a, it was just kind of a combination that didn't Really makes sense on the face of it. Uh, the sequel is called uh, Medios Disney, Mag- Disney Magic, and it was released in 2007.
1: I mean, when you just say Medios with some Disney stuff in there, it's not offensive. Like, it's not something that seems like it's, like you said, uh, selling out. Just on the surface of what it sounds like, but.
0: Well, I, I, I haven't actually played the game, but from what I've read, it plays pretty much exactly like Meteos. I, there's not a whole lot of stuff that you can do to change up the gameplay, except that now you're able to move blocks left to right as well as up and down. Uh, and that does change the game pretty pretty heavily. Uh, also interesting of note that the game actually is played uh, with your DS sideways, like it would be for Brain Age or um, Oh, really? Yeah, or uh, there's also the game The Last Window um, and i it has another one hotel, hotel desk, right? Is that the name of yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, something. like room 514, I think, something like that. Anyway. Um, but yeah, you play it in that in that book fashion, which, which also seems to get away from the idea of shooting those things back up to space, where before, in the original Medios, you could kind of think as that think of that line between your two screens as the atmosphere of your planet and that once you got it past that atmosphere, that then it would be sent up into space. That's the way they set up the game in right. the first place. So it does kind of change a lot of the core things about Medios, and it turns it really into just a Disney puzzle game that uses the same <laughs> ideas. Uh, so that, that's where I kind of get the idea of a cash in and also making it much easier with the, with the left to right stuff as well. Now they did make a they did release an XBLA version of Meteos in 2008, so you can play both of these styles of games, Luminous and Meteos, on your on your Xbox if you'd like. Uh, but I would I would suggest playing playing this one specifically on the DS because because that's kind of how Mizuguchi understood it to be. That's he wanted to right. take he wanted to take advantage of that hardware, and you don't get that with playing on an Xbox.
1: And I never played it, but I always remember Meteos being this sort of milestone for the DS because when it came out in the U.S., you know, from that point on up until about the time when Meteos came out, it was like seven or eight months, there just wasn't a lot of confidence in the DS in terms of its software library. I mean, all you really had were like Super Mario 64 3D or Super Mario 64 DS and what was it, Feel the Magic XXYX? Is that what it was called? XXXY, yeah.
0: XXXY, yeah. And uh, yeah,
1: the, idea of the that, it's zones. just like people were waiting for Metroid Prime Hunters to come out and stuff. Um, I think it was Meteos combined with Nintendogs coming out around the same time. I think that's what gave a lot of people confidence in uh, actually going out and buying a DS.
0: Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I, in fact, think that Colored my own opinions because I because you could see when it came out that well I can play this somewhat restyled version of Mario sixty four which wasn't really that good and didn't really take advantage of of the touchscreen at all but it kind of shoehorned touchscreens controls in there and and then right. yeah that weird that weird ass feel the magic game that used touchscreen stuff but didn't actually do it for any purpose that was Really deep. There wasn't there wasn't a whole lot to it, and then the rest of it was just a lot of mini game collections, and and just nothing that really had that kind of yeah. thing that you could sink your teeth into.
1: I remember Yoshi's Touch and Go being just something that was originally just a tech demo to be shown off at E three, and then somehow shoehorned into a full game. Yeah, like that's the kind of stuff you were getting on DS at the time.
0: Uh, but yeah, it, it's, when Medios came out, I think that was definitely. One of those milestone moments, like you said, where, where people understood, oh, this is how we can use this system and this tech to right. create something interesting. And I think that's really where the DS started to, at least for hardcore gamers, started to, to make sense. And then when other people took advantage of it with, with games like Dogs and Brain Age, that's where the system really blew up into the mainstream. Uh, Well, I think that's probably good for for the games themselves, uh, or or individually at least. So, is there anything else we'd want to say about Q Entertainment, since kind of this has just ended up being a Q Entertainment show in general?
1: (laughs) I mean, those are the only portable games to their name, as far as I know. Right. Uh, Some of of their stuff has been hit or miss. I know uh, Mizuguchi is responsible for uh, really badly received uh hack-and-slash beat-em-up game from the 360 called 99 Nights, which uh, I don't know how you transition off of his previous work into just a straight-up action game. It had absolutely nothing to do with music or, or anything of the themes of his past games.
0: Well, those are uh, there's a list of games that you can find on, on um, the Wikipedia page for Q Entertainment that they helped with, and 99 Nights is one of those. But right. of, of the games they, they worked on themselves, you can definitely see that pattern of very, very tight music, music heavy games, like, like Every Extent Extra, and then most recently Child of Eden that was on uh, the Xbox and PlayStation, which is very much a spiritual su- successor to Rez.
1: Right. I actually haven't played Every Extend Extra, I'm, I don't know a whole lot about it, is it- I believe it's sort of like a like a RoboTron style shooter.
0: You're asking the wrong guy. I I haven't played <laughs> it either. either. Um, I've just I've heard many good things about it, and I and I know that it is definitely heavy into the music idea. I think uh, I think we've probably exhausted all the topics that we've had here. Uh, but before we go, AJ, would you like to to plug yourself? Where where can people find you on the internet?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, obviously, I'm. I do the same podcast with Chase here, World 8, and you can check us out at world-8.net. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Mo the Hawk. That's M O T H E H A W K. And uh, I also occasionally do some streaming of the video games on Twitch.tv if you're interested in watching me fail. So uh, check out twitch.tv slash Mo the
0: for that. All right, and I'm at Chase underscore Kennecke, K O E N E K E. If you want to follow the show, you can follow it at, at GOTG Podcast. Uh, you can send us an email if you have any comments on Medios or Luminous or any of our future games that we talk about, or even if you have a, a suggestion for a future game to discuss, you can email us at GOTGpodcast at gmail.com. And then you could also do all the same stuff on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash you guessed it. GOTG Podcast. Um, we don't really have an idea of what we're going to do for, for show f- number four. I've kind of been jumping, jumping forward in time a little bit. We started with Super Mario Land on the Game Boy, and then we had Legend of Zelda stuff on the Game Boy Color, and now we've moved into DS and PSP Land, so it might be good to get back into something a little earlier. But we'll, uh, we'll figure that out later, and then I will definitely post that on the show's Twitter and Facebook. AJ, I want to thank you again for coming on. Um, My pleasure. It was definitely fun to get to talk about uh, two great puzzle games, one that I definitely have fond memories of in, in medios and one that I look forward to playing a little bit more with Luminous. Well, thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with the next episode. Yeah. <laughs>